All right, so this is the 10th episode here of the Mike Parsons Project, and the second time I've opened a podcast talking about a mass shooting. Um, Yesterday in Louisville, of course, um, I'm sure you've heard already that a gunman walked into the first national building and opened fire, uh, killing six people and injuring seven others. And... The frequency of uh, of us talking about this on, on the show is actually way less than reality. USA Today, 100 days into 2023, the Louisville attack marks nation's 146th mass shooting and 15th mass killing. And, of course, um, different, different entities um, dis- define mass shootings and mass killings different ways. Uh, USA Today is going by a criteria that they have come up with uh, along with the Associated Press and Northeastern University, uh, where a mass killing um, qualifies as a an, uh, an event where four or more people are killed, not included the shooter, and um, a, uh, hold on, a uh, mass shooting, sorry, I had to scroll down, a mass shooting is um, is defined as a shooting event, event in which at least four people were hit by gunfire. So 146 since the beginning of the year, uh, mass shootings and 15 mass killings since the beginning of the year, um, including uh, what happened in East Lansing on Michigan State University's campus back in February. Now, this shooting in... Louisville is Shakespearean not only in its tragedy but in the uh, in in the fact that there were so many people involved in this who have been who are interconnected, starting with uh, Nicholas Witt. He's the 26-year-old police officer, fresh out of the police academy. He was shot in the head. Uh, he is currently at the time of this uh, this taping. He is in the hospital in critical condition after um, brain surgery. He's one of three police officers who were injured in the incident. And by the way, the police were on the scene, and they shot um, the gunman, who I make I never make it a point to learn these gunmen's names. Um, obviously, I subscribe to the school of thought that uh, these guys are looking for publicity, and we're not going to give it to them. I will talk about him a little bit later in the show, but I won't use his name. Um, anyway, th- these police officers shot and killed this gunman within three minutes, and he was still able to uh, kill six people and injure seven of them. But uh, Nicholas Witt, he, I'm, I mean, when you talk about fresh out of the police academy, we mean fresh out of the police academy. This is... Uh, Police Chief Jacqueline Gwynn Villaroyal talking about him. Just graduated from the police academy on March 31st. I just swore him in. And, uh, of course, all the uh, news outlets are showing uh, the picture from that swearing-in ceremony where Chief Jacqueline Gwynn Villaroyal, she is in that picture, alongside Craig Greenberg, who is the mayor of Nashville, uh, who also spoke at, has spoken uh, at length in these press conferences. He had his election headquarters shot up almost a year ago uh, to this week. 
Tommy Elliott, he was a 63-year-old. He's one of the ones who were uh, who were gunned down, and we'll name all the victims here because those are the people who really need to be mentioned and remembered along with the heroes that stopped the shootings. Uh, Tommy Elliott was one of the ones who was shot and killed. Um, I, I don't know if there was some kind of board meeting going on, uh, but it seems like there was a, a good number of, of executives killed in this shooting, which to me sounds calculated, but... Again, we don't have a whole lot of uh, we, we don't have a lot of facts just yet. There has been a note left by the shooter, but uh, details of that that note has not been released. But Tommy Elliott, he was a 63 year old executive. He was a close friend of Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir, uh, who also spoke at the press conference yesterday. Tommy Elliott helped me build my law career, helped me become governor, gave me advice on being a good dad. I mean, obviously, your 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 hearts go out to the family and loved ones of all these victims. But but could you could you imagine? You're the governor of this state. A terrible tragedy has just happened. You're on the national news, and on top of having to deal with that, just as a human being, just as a government official, one of your best friends, uh, it turns out to be one of the victims of the shooting. And and there's there there are longer sound bites. I couldn't get great sound quality on them. Uh, but he said that uh, him and uh, Mr. Elliot spoke every day. They spoke every day, and it was rarely about banking. It was rarely about um, um, Governor Bashir's uh, political career. They were just old friends who would, who would call and talk about every day. I mean, speak, think of your best friend, whether it's a friend, whether it's a sibling, whether it's, it, it's your mom or your dad. You know, just about everyone has someone who they, they talk to every day. If they don't see each other every day, they've got that one person who they call first other than their wife whenever something happens to them. Now imagine having to um, deal with one of the worst tragedies um, at your at your day job on top of the fact that one of your best friends was, was one of the victims. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, other people, uh, other victims who were shot uh, in yesterday's attack was uh, Executive Josh Barrick. Jim Tut was also an executive. Uh, Juliana Farmer, um, she was 45. She was a loan officer. And Deanna Eckhart, she was also an executive. She died at the hospital later on at 57. And, and one of the more disturbing uh, facets of this shooting is the shooter himself. Um. You know, his name and his, his mugshot, not even a mugshot, he was killed, so there's no mugshot. But his, his name and his picture have been plastered all over the news. And from all accounts of, of people who knew him, um, you know, the media's talked to his neighbors, the media's talked to um, former basketball coaches of him. He, he, he looked like just about any other recent college grad trying to start his life. There were no incidents at work. He kept to himself. He was a model employee. Um, the neighbors never had any problem with them. He was he kept to himself, but was was friendly. I mean, there's and, and this could change with an investigation. But there were no breadcrumbs that kind of led you to the conclusion, or or or, or made you look back and say, "Oh my God, how do we miss that sign?" It seemed like there was no sign. It seemed like everything was normal. Um, Probably the guy that you uh, you see every day at work. You you say hello when you pass in the hallway, but you don't really think about him much. And uh, he, he just went from 
innocuous to serial killer. Seemingly suddenly, it probably wasn't really that sudden. There are probably a bunch of signs that people missed and, and that the investigation will bear that out. But uh, to me, I mean, on top of the loss of life and, and, and you know, the, the families and the people who went to work not knowing that their lives were going to end or change dramatically, um, you know, on top of the normal tragedy of a mass killing event, um, that's very disturbing. And, you know, 15, I'm, I'm trying to think, 15 mass killing events where four people, not including the gunmen, have been shot. How many have made the news? I mean, obviously, I, I can think of MSU because it happened right here in our own backyard. But, you know, it, we're, we're starting to get we're starting to get numb to these. And it seems like there has to be a certain body count. There has to be a certain shock factor that happens for these things to become newsworthy. Anything more than maybe a blip on the national news and then you move on. Um, another, per, another thing I was struck by, Dr. Jason Smith, he's the chief medical officer for UofL Health uh, out in Louisville. He spoke at the press conference and... He, he, he was on TV in the background at work. I was doing other things, but I kept glancing over at the TV. And he had the same look on his face that I remember Denny Martin, who is the interim president over at Sparrow Health in, in East Lansing. They had that same look. It, it, it's a shell shock looked. It's a emotionally drained looked of these medical professionals who have to deal with this sudden influx of, 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 of gunshot victims and just how traumatic that has to be for them. I mean, I remember Dr. Denny Martin up in East Lansing. He broke down at the podium. It was like he's a medical professional. Him and his emergency room staff, nurses, doctors, surgeons, intake people, what have you, whoever works in an emergency room at a hospital. When something like this happens, when there's a mass shooting event and you're getting all these gunshot victims coming into your hospital, you probably go on autopilot. I mean, I've seen it happen. I, I've seen it happen where nurses had to revive uh, a loved one of mine. Um, wasn't a gunshot victim, uh, but, but, but they were passing away, and these nurses just go to work like freaking superheroes. And they just compartmentalize and, and go about it, and it's routine for them. But then, but, but, but gunshot, you know, mass shooting events aren't routine, even though they're becoming more and more, um, they're becoming more and more frequent. And Craig Greenberg, mayor of Louisville, he's one of these so, uh, so-called shooting veterans where he's been touched by it twice in his life in a very short amount of time. Overall, these mass shooting events are not routine. So in the medical professional, you deal with life and death every day. But sudden, sudden life and sudden death and having to use all your medical training and your instincts to just go to work, not even think about it. And then after it's done, you're probably hit with the emotion and the magnitude of it and you just break down like Denny, Denny Martin did like I'm sure Jason Smith did once he got away from the cameras. 
they get this look in their face like, what the hell is going on? And, 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 and you know, that's, that's what we're all wondering. And we're becoming numb to it, unfortunately. Uh, so uh, an update on those two Tennessee lawmakers. You remember uh, last week they were voted expelled uh, by the Tennessee state legislature for, uh, <laughs> for protesting gun violence. Boy, do those two guys feel validated today. Not like they, not like they're looking to feel validated, but it's it, it just struck me that these two guys were were kicked out of the uh, Tennessee state legislature protesting gun violence and calling for uh, stronger gun laws. And here we go talking about another mass shooting in another week's time. Uh, Justin Jones of Nashville, he was expelled last week for protesting gun violence on the House floor and quote-unquote, using a bullhorn. And Justin J. Pearson from Memphis, he was kicked out. Well, Justin Jones was reappointed by the Nashville, uh, I don't know if it's county commission, whatever commission is in charge of, of filling that vacant seat. Justin Jones is going back to Nashville. Justin J. Pearson, he is, um, his county commission is going to uh, vote on sending him back to Nashville on Wednesday he said on Sunday, meet the press with Chuck Todd, that state lawmakers are threatening um, the county board uh, that's in charge of sending him back to the state capitol. Uh, they're being threatened with punitive action, having a bunch of funding that was promised to them cut uh, if they send uh, Representative Pearson back to Nashville. Um, look, these, these two guys should have never been expelled in the first place. I said it last week. It's a uh, it's a uh, direct attack on their district's right to choose. It's disenfranchising two huge districts in the state of Tennessee. And now, what's going to happen with the protocol is they're going to have to run in a a special election, which uh, they'll probably win by an even bigger margin than they did originally. And a whole bunch of taxpayers' money is going to be wasted on these special elections when they should have just kept these guys there in the first place. All right? I, I understand that protesting on the House floor is against the rules, but the, it, it's funny that Republicans, uh, these Republicans in, this, in the Tennessee State House, will use tricks that, that, that they complain are being used against them They'll use it against their opponents. They, they, they called this protest an insurrection. It was rowdy. It was rowdy, but I haven't heard any reports of injuries or deaths. It was uncomfortable for them. It was uncomfortable for these Republicans, and it was an uncomfortable subject for them. And obviously, um, they have a political agenda that's anti-gun uh, legislation. And they had the supermajority, and they saw an opportunity. They took it, and it backfired. So congratulations, Representative Jones from Nashville. And I look forward to Justin J. Pearson um, being reinstated on Wednesday. And if they try any of this uh, political tomfoolery, I have a stronger F word, but I'm not going to say it here on this podcast, um, then it should be national news that the state legislature retaliates against uh, 
the Memphis district that Justin J. Pearson represents because he was sent back to the House legislature. That should uh, they, they should make a, a lot of noise about that because um, that would be just absolutely despicable. And before we go, I need to um, I need to issue a retraction. The first retraction of the Mike Parsons project. Uh, not necessarily the first time I was wrong about something. Uh, just the first time I was wrong about something and I caught it. Uh, yesterday we were talking about um, the the dueling, conflicting federal judge rulings on mephipristone, the very uh, effective and widely used abortion drug, uh, and the battle to, to keep that uh, legal or, or not legal. I said that 98% of abortions were used with mephipristone. I was wrong. It's 98% effective and 50%, more than 50% of abortions in the United States are, are, are by mephiprestone. So the 98% uh, number is not uh, the, the percentage of abortions that use this. It's the effectiveness of the medication.